podcast is brought to you by the Wharton Global Youth Program. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Future of the Business World. Each month, we bring you new conversations with Gen Z about innovation, entrepreneurship, leadership, and all kinds of youth-led business trends. I'm Diana Drake with the Wharton Global Youth Program at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania. At Wharton Global Youth, we design programs, competitions, and content, introducing high school students to different areas of business education. We've had some fascinating podcast conversations so far this year, exploring everything from procrastination and 3D printed limbs to civic engagement, coding, and group innovation. I encourage everyone to check out our previous podcast episodes. Today's guest, Naomi Porter, is a high school junior from Los Angeles, California in the US. Naomi has been a proud entrepreneur since the age of 11 and now 16, is passionate about expanding entrepreneurial education for younger students. Naomi, thank you for joining us on Future of the Business World. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation with you all. Well, we have so much to talk about, including the Girl Scouts, which holds a special place in my heart as a former Girl Scout leader. Um, But first, let's talk about your first business, Spice It Up, which has been going strong for the past five years. One of the reasons I love this is because you started the company to actually make money. (laughs) While (laughs) mission-based entrepreneurship is so incredible, lots of people also start businesses to generate income and profits. So tell us about Spice It Up. What is the business model and how and why did it start? Absolutely. So I started Spice It Up when I was 11 years old after realizing that there was really no affordable alternative for students who are looking to go camping, exploring, and just in the great outdoors and just take spices affordably and compactly. And that's what entrepreneurs do. Whether or not you're looking necessarily to make money or just to make some sort of change, it's about looking at your community and figuring out how can I make my world more efficient? How can I make my world more environmentally friendly? And you start asking yourself these questions of how you can create these micro efficiencies. And for me, I realized that when I was hiking, backpacking in Girl Scouts, that there was no really way to carry travel spices because if you're like me and you're an avid hiker and a backpacker, you know that camp food can sometimes be a little bit bland. And so you need to spice it up, right? Which is where I got the name from. And so I decided to create a product that was TSA approved, waterproof, super lightweight and perfect for like all sorts of traveling and all kinds of adventuring. Because as the target consumer myself, I realized that there was a need for this, for it to not only be environmentally friendly, but also afford for that sort of target consumer. And exactly to Diane's point is that this is a for-profit business. And that's when I really began to kind of develop this idea of an entrepreneurial mindset, which is just continuing to look in your community and figure out different ways to innovate and different ways to adapt. And for me, that was creating Spice It Up when I was 11 years old. So has Spice It Up made money? And what do you actually do with the proceeds from your business? Yes. So originally with Spice It Up, I actually entered a competition similar to what you have at Wharton and Wharton's 
business program is that I entered a startup funding competition. So I actually ended up winning second place and I got seed money to actually begin my business venture, meaning that every money that I've made has all been for profit, which has been huge for me because if I make a marketing error, if I forget to do certain sales, it's okay because I have kind of that seed money letting me know that I'm still making money and I don't really have to calculate in the sense of like gross profit. But what I've really learned in the sense of what I'm doing with my money is I'm saving for college because I expect to, you know, pay a little bit, pay my way um, to actually go to college, to get potential internships and to study abroad. So all that money is kind of going towards college funds. Then if I need to, you know, spend it on marketing or promotions or reinvesting to get more stock, that's also what business owners do, kind of like a 2080 sort of a business model in that sense. Very good. Very good. I love to hear about savers. So good for you, saving your cash for, for your future. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you have one or two valuable lessons to take away from this first foray into entrepreneurship, spice it up, what would they be? Yeah. What were your greatest learning moments? Because you were pretty young when you started the company. <laughs> and, I mean, you're still pretty young, Naomi, but um, let's be clear that you can learn a lot in five years. So what, what would you say are some of your really valuable lessons from that? I'd say I've learned two main things. The first one that pops out at me is that when things don't go right, go left. So this is kind of a funny phrase, you know, it's definitely an alliteration in that sense, but it also has so much value because as entrepreneurs, you know the importance of adapting and innovating and doing different things and marketing yourself in different ways when things aren't working. You don't keep going in the same direction if things aren't working. And so for me, I realized that about one year into my business venture with spice it up because originally it was summer. It was travel season. I had great success. Everyone's looking for that fun, new, innovative product from a young, aspiring, up-and-coming entrepreneur. But then hits this November, December season and my sales really fell flat. And that was very hard for me because I knew I had this good product that people liked. They told me as much so is that they were like, this is a great product. I would like to buy it. There were sales. It was evident that this product and this idea was something of value, but then hits this not travel season. It's the off season. So you have to figure out different ways to market yourself. And so for me, as I sent out emails to about 50 to 70 travel bloggers asking if they could review my product. And so I got a lot of no responses. I got a lot of no's, but I got one yes. And that one yes really shifted my mindset. It means that yes, you're going to get no's in the business world. That's just life. Not even if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, or even if you're just living life, you're going to be told no. But every no means that there's a greater yes down the road. And so one person, they emailed me back and they said, I would absolutely love to support you and would love to support your mission. And it turned out to be a very big travel company who actually had all of the, my target customers, people who are looking for an affordable and alternative option. And from there, they linked my shop and really my sales continued to grow and have continued growing ever since. And so that really taught me that it's okay to get rejection, but also you have to keep going because there is a yes down the road. Interesting. As we talk, I can really feel your energy around teachable moments. You are definitely a teacher, which leads into our, our next phase of what I want to talk about. 
I asked you to reflect on those early entrepreneurship lessons because I'm sure they actually sparked your passion for helping youth adapt and innovate to succeed. Can you tell us a little bit about Bright Futures Tutoring and Academic Coaching and how that is connected to your Girl Scouts Gold Award? Absolutely. So as entrepreneurs do, you're always looking for the next big innovation, right? The next way to make some sort of a lasting change. That's what entrepreneurs do. That's the difference between an entrepreneur and a business person. And so really that's exactly what I did when I was 13 years old, because I realized that there was no affordable tutoring in my area. But when you're creating something as generic as a tutoring service, right? You need to figure out what's going to make yours stand out and what's going to make yours different. And so for me, it was run by a 13 year old, but more importantly, is that I was offering better and more flexible scheduling than my competitors. And I was also offering more affordable pricing. And so, as an entrepreneur, you need to figure out what's going to make yours stand out from others, especially when it's such a widespread service as tutoring is. And so, from there, I've partnered with local elementary schools, I've donated to different auctions. And you always like I learned and spice it up is you need to figure out how to market yourself a little bit differently. And so now I actually manage and hire a team of employees because my business really continued to grow and people want young tutors, people want affordable options and people want kind of that flexibility because we want our clients to know that they are so much more than just a paycheck in and out the door and that each of them has in turn a bright future. And so all of that that I've learned through entrepreneurship and through my two businesses actually inspired me to, as Diane and said, start my Girl Scout Gold Award. So my Girl Scout Gold Award is called Entrepreneurship. You can do it too. And it provides free entrepreneurial education courses for youth during this pandemic, but also outside of this pandemic. And so we've partnered with about 20 organizations to partner with them and to foster these ideas of what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, right? What does it mean to have lasting change? And so originally this just began as my Girl Scout Gold Award. And I only partnered with a few organizations over the summer, we did entrepreneurship classes. In turn, we actually had to start up funding a competition that was completely free of charge for all of our students to actually take these business ideas and turn them into economic and social value impacts. And so that to me is huge. And I hope to continue to get startup funding through entrepreneurship and to host more of these competitions. But now we're really pivoting and we're offering more workshops. We're offering more entrepreneurial education courses because our program is youth-led in order to debunk this myth that entrepreneurship is only reserved for adults who have fancy degrees and venture capital. And we want it to be youth-led because while our generation only makes up 25% of the population, we are 100% of the future. And I really hope to continue that mission and to continue getting more youth involved so we can all be on this path of personal dignity and professional stability. Interesting. Yeah, I want to talk to you more about your entrepreneurial education. But before we do that, I'd like to take a step back because you're talking gener generationally, right? You're talking about Gen Z and, and your youth-led movement, so to speak. Um, and I'm interested because you do have both this for-profit aspect of your life, but you also have the social mission-based aspect of your life. Is that just a core value, do you feel, for Generation Z? this kind of aspect of 
wanting to give back to society and to change the world. We've talked to so many great students on the Future of Business World uh, podcast about this very thing. And they're all doing wonderful, wonderful endeavors. And I'm just wondering if it's what you've seen and what you've observed is you feel as though your peers are very oriented this way. Yeah, for sure. And Gen Z really has this kind of split mindset, as you're saying, is like, I need to put a roof over my head and my family's so you can create businesses and social movements that have economic value and that are for profit. But also this idea of I've learned so much, I want to help others with me, you know, kind of this idea of collaboration over competition, right? This we over me mindset. And that's something that I think that Gen Z really exceeds in. It's kind of this collective togetherness in the sense of let's all, if we're all passionate about something, let's all have conversations with each other. Let's bring people into the conversation instead of calling them out. Let's create something together so that way no one is left behind because in our collective future, we need to have these conversations. We need to build social movements to address racial inequalities, economic injustices, climate change, gender equity, and all of these important things that are opportunities for entrepreneurs neural minds to really go to work. And that's what our generation really stands out as kind of this activist generation who wants to make a lasting change. So as you alluded to before, you are much more than a tutor. You're actually an advocate for entrepreneurial education and the benefits it has for youth. Help me understand, how do you describe the power of entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship really just is the future because there is no longer this corporate ladder that people can easily climb. There really is no set path for Gen Z. It used to be that there was only kind of one version of success in the sense of you would graduate from high school, you would go to your four-year college, you know, you would get one of these typical jobs, but really with our generation and with this idea of entrepreneurship and developing an entrepreneurial mindset. It's kind of making your own things. It's kind of taking these skills that you've learned as an entrepreneur and putting them into your workplace fields. And the thing about entrepreneurship is is that it's not always about making a business. It's not always about creating the social movement, as we've been saying. It's also just about having these ideas of innovating and adapting in order to succeed. And really, that's what entrepreneurship is. And you need that regardless of what job or what field you go into. So entrepreneurship is the future. And where have you seen your advocacy have the greatest impact? Definitely with adults, which is surprising, but definitely because with our education system is that we are not necessarily prepared for the skills of today and tomorrow in the sense of high schoolers are drowning in rigorous course loads, AP work, extracurriculars, but I really implore to ask on these youth and to ask adults, do these prepare us for the skills of today and tomorrow and our future jobs? And the long answer is no, because analyzing Shakespearean sonnets and, you know, graphing quadratic equations, while they certainly have their part in our education system, we need to start asking different questions. Instead of asking kids, you know, what job do you want when you grow up? Or like, what do you 
want to be when you grow up. Let's ask kids, how do you want to use your passions and your talents to make the world a better place? What changes do you want to make? And really kind of change this narrative at a young age. So that way young kids can really know that there is no one version of success. There's so many different pathways. And why not explore entrepreneurship? Why not implement entrepreneurial education? Why not teach these like critical thinking and problem solving skills? Because so often in our classes, there's only one right answer, right? In math, there's only one right answer. In history, there's only one correct date. In all of these things, it really teaches us to be narrow-minded in the sense of there's only one correct answer. But when you get into the business world, when you get into the real world, there's not always one right answer for everything. And so in terms of my advocacy through writing blogs and having conversations with policymakers, we've kind of come to this collective understanding is that the model that we've been doing for hundreds of years may have worked for baby boomers and for millennials and for Gen X, but it's not going to work for this generation. And we really kind of need to pivot that mindset. Fascinating. I want to pivot in our conversation for a minute and go back to Girl Scouts, which makes me happy. So you're <laughs> a global research and design intern for Girl Scouts USA. Wow, that sounds really interesting. How did you land that gig? And what exactly do you do in that role? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been a Girl Scout for about 10 years now. So I've been doing it since I was in kindergarten and in eighth grade. So it would have been in 2018. There was just an application out that said calling girls who are interested in being a national intern for Girl Scouts of the United States of America. I was like, sign me up, you know, where do I get in line? (laughs) But that's really the interesting thing about internships is that sometimes you really, you know, search for them. Other times it just lands in your inbox and you go, this sounds fun. This sounds like something I definitely want to do and explore. And so originally with Girl Scouts and with my internship, it was 25 girls from around the world who were planning the 2020 National Convention, which happens every three years. And of course, due to um, the pandemic and due to COVID, it was canceled. But that was really a great opportunity for us to adapt, kind of like how entrepreneurs do, right? And so we really pivoted our mindset and we just innovated in the sense of originally I was a called, I was called a merchandising and retail intern. So I was planning all the business side aspects of convention, you know, all the merchandise and pricing and marketing and all of those things. But then we've really pivoted and I've become a global research and design intern for the Girl Scouts of the United States of America, through which I've partnered with Girl Scouts Research Institute, which is the largest girl-led body of research institute um, really in the United States and in the world. And we've tackled obstacles like mental health. Right now we're working on racial justice and how to be actively anti-racist in your daily life. We've led focus groups exploring just how this effect of this pandemic has had on youth and had on girls. We've talked about politics and written research reports, and I've co-authored a couple of reports alongside my peers. And then on the design aspect of Girl Scouts of the USA, we've designed a national TV show for Girl Scouts, and we've been interviewing uh, the just girls from really around the world and from women who are just doing amazing things and kind of not stereotypical for women to do, you know, women who are activists, women who are doctors, CEOs, all these things that kind of aren't typical for women, but they need to be elevated on a national platform so girls can be like, I do want to become a doctor. I want to go into kind of these 
STEM, science, sports field, so that way they can see themselves in the media. And what better place than on the largest girl-led platform really in the world? And so that's a little overview of what I've done with Girl Scouts, but I'm definitely eternally grateful for Girl Scouts for being the first place to really amplify my voice and let me know that there's so much more to this world than just kind of this me and this individualistic idea because Girl Scouts is a huge organization that really focuses on diversity, on equity, and more importantly, inclusion. Yeah, these are some big issues, Naomi. It it must be an incredibly rich learning experience. Do you have one or two really profound takeaways from your research um, on mental health or on on racial issues. I'm, I'm curious if, you know, what has been kind of your learning moments there? Yeah, definitely a lot. And we actually did the mental health research report right in this time. It was August, September, and October of 2020. And this was really a pivotal time for a lot of girls because it was transitioning from this summer. You know, I feel like everyone took a break. Everyone's mental health was doing fine. You know, you're getting fresh air. There's no stress of school. And I think everyone kind of had this perception that we were going to back going back to normal in the fall right? That, oh, everything's going to go back to normal. But of course, I think as we've seen, you know, coronavirus cases have spiked and it's everything but normal. And so we kind of hit this spot of, it was this transition of I'm having a good life. I'm enjoying myself, my freedom to being stuck kind of on a Zoom screen for eight to 10 hours a day. And we saw the drastic effects that that had on girls' mental health. And then, so we asked questions that weren't just, you know, how are you feeling today? But what can we do about it, right? Be problem solvers and be proactive. And so we asked girls like, so who would you go to turn to, you know, if you were struggling with anxiety or struggling with depression? And the thing is that a lot of girls wouldn't turn to therapists, which is fascinating to me because when you expect, you know, you're struggling with anxiety or you're struggling with kind of these mental health issues is you should turn to someone who's a licensed professional, but it is so stigmatized in our society. And that is something that we really need to change as a culture. You know, we need to change that, but it's so hard to, you know, change society's beliefs that when you're walking in the door of a therapist, you have problems, you have issues. Everyone has problems and everyone has issues. We all need to talk about it and we need to be compassionate. And then in the second side of my work, which is focusing on DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, the thing that I found the most fascinating is this idea of the difference between diversity and inclusion. And so I always thought of it as, you know, I seek to be the most diverse. You know, I want to meet people from different races and I want to talk about different religions and all these things. And that's diversity. But there is a huge difference and there's a gap between being diverse and being inclusive because diversity means, okay, you know, we're going to have people of multiple races, multiple cultures. They're all going to be here, but inclusivity is meaning that everyone feels like they truly belong. And I think that Girl Scouts is doing a great job at this. And also the interesting thing is that diversity isn't just racial. It's also means diversity 
in the sense of having equal amounts of like the genders, genders need to be represented, people with disabilities. So actually just this weekend, we're going to be hosting a diversity, equity, and inclusion panel where we're going to be talking about all these things about race, about disabilities, about gender and gender roles and all of these things, but all while fostering this idea of inclusion. Like it doesn't matter your race, your history. It doesn't matter if you have a disability because you are welcomed. And that's something that I definitely want to implement in my daily life is this idea of being a diverse and being an inclusive leader, because that's really where the future is at. It's at diversity, but more importantly, it's with inclusion. Very fascinating. It sounds like you've learned so much through this experience. And I mean, it really is, this narrative is, is what we're always talking about at the Wharton Global Youth Program is preparing, um, you know, the future leaders of the business world. And, and these themes and threads are something that need to be discussed and amplified. And it sounds like you're doing that through your internship and through your research. So keep at it. <laughs> um, so about your future, you've done so much in, in your 16 years many of it entrepreneurial in nature. Where do you go from here? Do you think you'll be a lifetime entrepreneur? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Yeah, I think I will definitely be a lifetime entrepreneur, but maybe I won't necessarily have a business in the sense of entrepreneurship is a mindset, right? We call it an entrepreneurial mindset in the business world. And it's about taking these skills, but making lasting change. And so my dream of kind of where I see myself in the next 10 years is I want to double major in education and business because my dream is to really work on an administrative level with education and with education sort of reform. And so I want to probably in the next 10 years, I'll hopefully be, yeah, I'll have my double major and I want to go back and get into my administrative credentials. So that way I can become an education administrator. And then hopefully down the road, I'll be a principal or a superintendent. And then my dream would be, of course, this is dreaming big, right? Is to be the secretary of education for the United States. But of course, you know, that's dreaming big, but hopefully I'll be able to do some work on in LA or in my local area, just so that way I can really kind of combine my passions of entrepreneurship, but also education and make this sort of lasting change and to just work with students and work one-on-one -on -one, because that's what brings me so much joy. And I could just see myself doing for years to come. You are clearly fueled by passion, which is a wonderful <laughs> thing. And I will not sell you short. I have great hope for you. I think, I think you're well on your way to achieving your dreams. So one question I like to ask all of the innovators we interview on Future of the Business World is if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I think I would change the way that we validate success because attending university, as I previously mentioned, is the most coveted and the most celebrated pathway that's really heavily promoted to youth. And so I would like to see, you know, vocational and trade development becoming more accessible, but more importantly, less than becoming more accessible and less than having more opportunities become promoted, become promoted by students parents, adults, validating this idea of college isn't for everybody and promoting these values of these shared core values because 
it isn't matter how many opportunities are there, how many programs there are or courses, because if we as a society don't say that is successful, that is measure of your self-worth, then that really doesn't do us any good. And so that would be the one thing that I could definitely change in our world. All right, let's wrap up with our lightning round. If you could answer these questions as quickly as possible. What do you hate most about being an entrepreneur? I would say my age. The accomplishment you are most proud of? My Girl Scout Gold Award. A business person you would like to take to lunch? Ooh, Melissa Gates. And why? Just because I absolutely love her and would love that conversation just to have a conversation woman to woman about all the things and all the future, just have these conversations. Oh my goodness, that would make my year. <laughs> An innovation that blows your mind. Ooh, technology in general. The fact that Zoom, Zoom saves 2020. <laughs> Something about you that would surprise us. I have been to school in the Netherlands. So actually when I was in third to fourth grade, I did a summer and I spent the summer studying in the Netherlands and just learning about just the different ways of life there is fascinating. It's so different than what we have here. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And I hope to go back. I hope to study abroad um, in Europe when I'm in college. <laughs> And last but definitely not least, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Definitely Thin Mints. That is my go-to. <laughs> All right, Naomi, thank you so much for joining us on Future of the Business World. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Discover more opportunities for high school students and educators at globalyouth.wharton.upenn.edu.